0: All right then. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Pastor Lester back at you this morning on this Monday morning, February the 15th. Amen. Coming off of a wonderful Valentine's Day celebration with the one that I love, my very own wife, Pastor Sharon. And we just relaxed and enjoyed ourselves. Amen. And had some dinner and just just enjoyed ourselves amen as we should amen and hopefully all of you had the chance to do the same thing so we just thank the lord this morning uh for all of your prayer warriors our intercessors all of our 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 friends uh, you know saints of god all around the world amen that ones that believe in prayer because the lord said if my people and we are his people we ought to be blessed and thrilled to be called the people of god this morning and And if they would just humble themselves, if they would just come together and seek my face, you know, that we would, you know, be blessed by him hearing from heaven for us. And he said, I will forgive their sins and heal their land. And he even picked this theme up in Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, chapter, you know, 33 and verse three, where he said, if you just call upon me, I will hear you and answer you and show you great and mighty things. So we thank the Lord for creating this prayer culture every morning at 6 a.m that we get to come together study the word of god and then we pray the word of god and we believe that god answers those prayers and show us great and mighty things and we see it because we believe to see it because it's promised it's hopeful and the evidence of it is not what we see but what we know is going to be and so we thank god for that so let's take a look here that now in the word of god this morning pick up at verse 8 i'm gonna just read that and it says who shall also confirm you unto the end that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about here sound preaching, amen, that reveals the wisdom of God. And nobody can just put the wisdom of God in a few statements. It's so broad, it's so vast. It's, the knowledge is so incomprehensible sometimes that we need help we need the help of the prophets of old who foretold major prophets, minor prophets we need the help of those men that were inspired by God such as the apostle Paul who wrote letters to the church we need all of this wisdom man you know so that we can get a broader picture of what the plan of God really entails, some of, some people may think they know it all, I don't know anything save what the Holy Ghost teach me and what he revealed to me, yes I know things I study and I read and I can comprehend them on the surface, but when you really get down into the roots of it, you got to have the help of the Holy Spirit, you got to have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, you got to have the insight of all those who, who already laid the foundation, that teaching of the apostles and prophets, where there's no greater foundation, amen, where Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, his death, his, burial, his resurrection is the <coughs> price that was paid for our salvation, and so we have to have a broad approach here, we can't just Cram it all into just a few of, of ideas that I understand, and what a few books that you might read, and all that stuff. But we want to go in here, man, and dig, 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 until we un, un, until it, it is unveiled to us, and we get to see the broader picture right here. And so this is what Paul is saying to us right here. He said, "Until the end, until we shall it shall be confirmed until the end." That's why we work out our salvation, you know, with fear and trembling, endure to the end, so we can be saved. And we need all this help that we can get, and that's what the word provides us it is never gonna pass away anyway. Heaven and earth around us is passing away. This flesh is passing away, but our spirits are becoming stronger and newer, renewed every day because the word is what renews our spirit. Amen and our hope. And he goes on to say um, you know uh, this is another one of the spiritual resources that he writes this letter to the church about uh this personal relationship that we get to have with Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. He himself. Now we're talking about having a relationship with, with God Himself through Jesus Christ, His Son. And Paul understood the importance of this. That's why he wrote the letter to the church. As a result of that, they get His security, safety, and protection, and assurance, which they thought they had, but they didn't have. Sometimes we we get this false idea, too, this false sense of security and safety, because we think because I got a gun or because I'm I'm you know I'm in a safe environment that. I can't be reached by the enemy. But you have to remember now he goes to and four as a royal now seeking whom he may divide. That's why we can't ever let our guards down. That's why we have to perceive in the spirit what might happen and be prepared for it so it don't happen. Amen. You know, and so we, we, we want to be wise, watch, pray always, man, knowing that this is what can happen because I read the word, but this is what I want to happen. So I'm a, I'm gonna dwell on that, you know. I'm gonna keep my mind on that, keep my mind stayed on the Lord, so when these things come, you know, I won't be thrown out off, man, and freak out because it happened, we know that the weapon might be formed, but it ain't going to prosper over us, we know that it will be formed, but it will not prosper, so don't be so naive and say, you know, it will be formed, but if you're standing on the word of God, it will not, okay, prevail over you, and that's the key right there, Uh, verse 9, he says, God, because God is faithful, be uh, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, you were called when you got saved, it wasn't that you 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 were lucky or you no, know, you were called to be saved. You there's a calling on everybody's life that's separated from God. Amen. Some people will come right away, some will take their time, some will have to go through a near death situation, you know, some will have to be put on a cross and in the last minute look at Jesus, man, and say, My God, he's right there, man, you know, he is the Savior. Remember me when you come into the, into your kingdom, you know, and hear him say those awesome words that he said to that thief on the cross that came to his, his his state of mind and said, hey, just remember me, you know, when you can He said, from this day forward, you shall be with me in paradise. So, see, Jesus is all about inside and out, man. His whole being was about saving souls. He never lost focus of that. It's still like that today, you know. And so, you know, he's, he's telling us he's very faithful, and Paul is picking that discussion up, and he says, uh, there are more spiritual resources that await them, the church, you know, because God is faithful who promised. He ain't no man that he should lie. You know, he's not a man that he should lie to us. He's faithful who promised because God himself will make his call on our life and affirm that call. And you know, it is, it is his church, not man's church. You have to always remember he going to look out for the bride of Christ because he wants her to be without spot, to be without wrinkle and to be found faithful when he comes. You know, not trying to please man. You know, God get no glory when we're trying to please man because man can't save you. Man is not the Savior. At best, if his life is right with God, he can only point you toward Jesus. He can't save you. You know, he can't save you. So don't give no credit to no man for your salvation. Only Jesus Christ. Thank him for for, for showing it to you in the word but that's it don't go to them to be saved go to them and ask them can you pray with me to jesus to be saved i want to repent of my sins to jesus you know and then you can tell them what the scriptures say you know you confess with your mouth you know believe it you know in your heart you know the god raised him from the dead boom boom you know the scriptures that's that's the role we play and it's all about jesus he is the savior He's the Savior. You know, uh, as you read over in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19 through verse 20, King James Bible, here's what it says. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he, not, hath he said and shall not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he uh, not make it good? Behold, I have received commandments to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it. You know, and that's Moses telling the people right there. Moses is writing this in, in one of the books of the law, Numbers, because you know, they were living in a critical time. And at that time, all they had was the five books of the law. You know, that, was, that was their whole Bible at that time when, this, when Moses wrote, said this to them. You know, you know, he wrote this to them. Well, guess what? This word is the same today as it was then the implications in it the intent of it is still the same jesus did not do away with the law when he came he fulfilled the law he lived according to this law and he's telling us that the way he lived when he was here we're going to imitate that we're going to do that too that's that's how we're going to get through you know and paul is reminding the church giving them a little bit of history that verse 10 he says now i beseech you brethren by the name of our lord jesus christ that ye all speak listen to this y'all the same thing talking to the church now can't be divided house divide against itself will not stand. it's going to fall and great will be the fall of it and that there be no divisions among you you know but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment you know same judgment because God is going to judge all of us according to the same standard so Paul is saying get out in front of judgment day because it's coming get prepared for it you know and don't be divided about stuff you know but be of one mind if you're the church be of one mind You know, you know, let's let's be of one mind and we cannot have a double mind. The Bible says in the book of James, James picked up on this. He said a double minded person is unstable in all his ways. And we see a lot of that right now, you know, calling right, wrong, wrong, right. believing a lie over the truth. Man, we see that because of pressure, you know, in the church. We should not be pressured in the church. If any pressure in the church, it should be to draw closer to Jesus. Now, I can handle that prayer. That's why Paul said, Press toward that mark, that, that, that prize of the high calling of God. All that other pressure, man, peer pressure, you know, all friends, all that meant political pressure. Man, that ain't going to help you in the end. Only what you do for the Lord is what's going to count. You know, and that is that the whole duty of a man is to fear God and keep his commandments, as we read in the book of Ecclesiastes. You know, what Solomon wrote to us to encourage us. He knew, wise man he was, he had learned some things, you know. But he didn't didn't live according to the things that he learned. But he wrote it so that we would have it. That's why they call it the book of wisdom. You know, letting us know. Everything else, if you're not serving God, if that's not your focus, man, especially as a church called out iglesia to set aside ones, you know, then he said it's vanity on vanity. Go head on. Drink it up. Party up. Live your life. Be merry. He told us to do all those things because he did it. I and mean, at the end, he's saying, look, it was all vanity. And he was a preacher, you know. And so anything else other than what Paul is telling us right here, man, because of the judgment, you know, we want to, we want to be found righteous. We want to be found faithful when that judgment day comes. Mm-hmm. We want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know, you've been faithful over those few things out there. You know, now you're standing here for judgment. Welcome into my rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go into your mission that's been prepared for you. You know, so we ain't working just to be working, y'all. We're working toward a goal here. Uh, The other problem that Paul has uh, to address here in this letter to the church in Corinth is their division in the church, and it ain't even their church. It's God's church. Dare you to be divided or try to divide God's bride or God's church or even let any type of abuse come into God's house anything defend the faith defend the message you know that's what a lot of these great men did these great paul was one of those a defender of the gospel an ambassador for christ he wasn't a salesman he went up in there dragging you know suitcases load of product and got a whole crew of people unloading vans with all these books and all these cities and all that putting that down tables making money that's what jesus went in the house and cleaned out of there and it seemed like we done bought it back in there you know but we are ambassadors of christ we're ministers of reconciliation, we're doing the work of an evangelist, we're spreading the good news of the gospel so people can be saved, that's where the power lies, you know, and we don't have to sell it to people, we just have to publish it, teach it, you know, sound preaching is what reveals the wisdom of God, and so Paul figured this out, there is always a big problem with division in the church especially, but in any other place too, don't care how big the church is, how wealthy the people are in the church, uh, how many programs and speakers and conferences they can throw and bring in and sponsor them, uh, you know, have to appease folks by doing that. You know, but here we have these new converts and, uh, you know, they're, they have a different expectation of what they what why they got saved in this particular church. But they're being abused because they're getting caught up in all that whirlwind. There's a lot of people like that. You know, they just want to serve God. They just want to be saved because they know how miserable their life was, and they want to be free of that. And they don't come to church, man, to have you tell them, man, you you know you ain't got no money. You know, borrow some. You know, you know they want that money. If you ain't got no money, they ain't got no time for you. You know, that's not the gospel. There is that spirit of division that's lurking around, just waiting for a chance to attack, to divide, to split the church, to steal some of the sheep from the church. Or there's that wolf that always shows up and tries to conquer people, control people, you know, but all of it is a plot and a plan of the enemy. Because once he can divide you, isolate you, he can kill, steal, and destroy you, turn you against yourself and turn you against the church and the ministry and everybody else. You know, and that's that goes on. There's a lot of new churches that was birthed out of division where somebody split off because somebody mm-hmm. came in there a wolf. I call him in sheep clothes, and divided the church, peeled off some of the saints. It happens all the time. Some of us know about it. you know so this is this letter Paul is, is writing is very appropriate today. Uh, so is this church in Corinth uh, to do. Uh, and to address their major concerns and problems with division the that they don't even see it as a problem yet. There's a lot of people who don't see it as a problem. They think God sent that person to divide, you know. But Paul writes a strong exhortation to them. He writes and calls for all of them to agree because God loves agreement. When two agree is asking anything of the Father, we have those things that we ask for. You know, if we don't doubt in our heart but believe, So preachers, we're working toward agreement because we know God loves for two or three people to agree as we ask stuff. He don't want a group to be over here in a clique and a group to be over here in a clique and it's so obvious when you're walking in church who's who and, you know, what's going on. People see that when they come in churches. People want to feel like they're welcome. They want to feel like they're part of something that's wonderful. They don't want to feel you rolling your eyes like, who is they? Where they come from? They don't belong in here. Look at how they dress. And you know it to be true. Right away, they're even thinking divisive thoughts. Because there is power in agreement, uh, he writes for them uh to agree in their speech uh, and to make sure that they d- disallow any dis- uh, the, the the dissension up in there uh, in the church you know um, he writes and calls for them to join together in one mind and one set of thoughts uh that are consistent with the scriptures and be fully supported by what uh, is documented, not what somebody say, girl, did you hear what so-and-so said? Oh, girl, I was looking at TV the other day, and my God, they, were, don't, they didn't give one scripture, but you just passing on in your church where you, they the feed, to hear the scripture, what you heard on TV from some mega, you know, whatever, you know, and we pass that stuff on, and that's how those seeds get planted, you know, you're sitting under that leadership, be under that leadership, if you're not, go somewhere else. You know, thinking that the same thing is what Paul is saying the Lord is calling for in the church is so important. It's unlike, you know, having a double minded person of the church, you know, you know, uh, either in the church called in dissension and division or in the pulpit preaching division, you know, in dissension, strife, you know you know and so we Paul said this should not be verse 11 he says but it hath been declared unto me of you my brethren by them which are of the house of Chloe that there are contentions among you now now the house of Chloe you know that's a church too and they've been preaching and teaching what Paul had taught them you know before when he was with them and they're hearing about the you know the church up the street you know, preaching a different gospel. And Chloe here might have might feel like some of the members that used to be in the church that Paul planted have been peeled off and they're over there now in this other church because they like their programs. They like what they're doing. And see, whatever you use to draw people, remember, that's what they come into. They're not coming to God. They come into what you use to draw them over there, what you use to the peel them off or what you use to divide that church so you could get half of them sheep That's what you use to get them out of there. That's what they're coming to. They're not coming over there, man, because they're looking for Jesus. They're coming over there, man, to that divisive spirit. And that's what you're going to have to continue to do to keep them. Keep dividing. Keep dividing. Keep preaching the vision. Keep teaching the vision because it's working. You done peeled off half of these people with some false teaching, some other idea, some other plan. You know, look at what I'm doing. You know, something new, something fresh. But that's what they're coming to. That's what they're going to be looking for. And the church is supposed to be drawing them to Jesus Christ. Not to yourself. Not even to just the church. But to, to, but to the work of, of, of ministry that's supposed to be done. That'll build them up so that more ministry work can be done. You know, not that they'll hate the people in the other church. You know, and and, and those seeds get planted. So Paul understood this problem that they was having. Amen. And he did not... Uh, like it that, that that work he had left there you know uh he didn't like it paul is on a mission you have to remember that to resolve these problems so this church and other churches can function the way god desires not the way man desires or people desire some folks are getting to church and they'll get to the leader man they'll start telling them, i think we need to do this right here you know that's the danger of having them board members that's been there for 100 years and ain't even opened up their bible and read it they just love the position they in get to make decisions tell the preacher if you don't preach what we want you to preach we're gonna fire you and get somebody else in here they audition for preachers, uh, making sure that they're going to preach and teach about what they want them to teach. Their ears are itching for a teacher. You know, they're getting all these these voices, these folks that are going to preach and teach what they want to hear. And so Paul had received this tragic report that the church, the church now, not just some people, but the church, that there was uh, contention there, there was quarrels going on, arguments amongst the folks. We done seen some of this stuff, man. Then thank God for video where these folk got to call the law, man. Two preachers show up, you got crazy stuff, families against each other out in the parking lot pulling wigs, off, fighting like cats and dogs, man. Shouldn't it, ought to be. What a tragedy, uh, uh, you know. It is, it is, it. it if this is allowed on the uh, on your watch or in the church, you know, uh, or caused by uh a per, a perpetrated by you or anybody you know don't uh we, we we should not be found guilty but we should encourage people to repent quickly or suffer excommunication from the church that's how you deal with it you don't further pour gas on the fire you don't feel the strife the quarrel the arguments you don't side with anybody preachers in there take a stand for the gospel you defend the gospel. And you tell everybody, time out, time out, you know. Let's just all repent right now and see if we can't get along. And if you can't, you have the, you have the right to leave. If you have a, 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 a argument with your brother or sister, please go to them and share the scripture with them. Go to them and work it out. If you can't work it out, Go with a witness. and we teaching people how to sell, solve, solve these quarrels. when they come up, they'll know how to go to their brother and sister they got against, how to solve it. If they don't, get another faithful brother and sister, touch and agree, go to them with a witness. If that don't work, then bring it to the church. You know, hopefully you'll get something solved. Might not get everything. Verse 12, Paul says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. So you see here, there is one of the problems Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody want to say, you know, talk about my bishop. Everyone want to talk about my first lady, my elect lady, my prophet. (coughs) When you get all this undercurrent going on in the church, it's like you ain't going to show up if your preacher, your favorite minister ain't speaking, you know. Or next year's annual revival, if you, they ask you to submit names of who you want to see come in, which is crazy anyway, but I've heard people say that. Well, well, bring back that. Who that prophet came two years ago? Oh man, did God use them? Can't even remember their name. Some folks do remember their names, cause they still sending money to them, and they're in in this church that you them. You know, and so Paul is saying, oh, we all of all these different people." Now, Apollos was was a he was a powerful, educated man, and he used his philosophy. He used his his communication skills, you know, to draw attention to him. Now, he had some good value and some worth, but Paul is saying, even even if that's the case, Apollo's at best either going to plant a water, all of us going to do the same thing. But God is the one that we got to trust for increase. None of us are God. We're ambassadors of Christ. None of us should be trying to sell ourselves as being better than anybody, more more valuable to the work than anybody. Paul is saying we all got to be one mind for Christ, his work building people up for that yes you know where god get all the glory not your favorite minister or whoever your favorite prophet or whoever you know paul knows from personal experience how to identify these perpetrators amen that's what they are in the church is one of the reasons he gets to write the letter not, no fear, but boldness. Paul had to, you know, no fear. He wasn't arrogant. He was just bold about it. He was calling it out. Mm-hmm. Not arrogance or mean spirited or vengeful, but as an ambassador for Christ, not a salesman, uh-huh. you know, a minister of reconciliation, doing the work of an evangelist. So, who are these arguing parties found in the church? Question is asked there. There are some who favor one minister over another minister, yet, Others claim to follow the Lord alone. They don't need to be under no leadership, you know, because they know more than the preachers and the teachers know that you have on staff. After all, you know, I got my degree, my license, you know, at another ministry before I came over here. Matter of fact, I got a couple of licenses. I got women from the other church before I was at that church. And I give to the ministry more than anybody else in here. You check the statement, I write big checks to the church. You know, so you know the Lord Jesus Christ all alone, you say. That's what a lot of them say. I don't need, I don't need that anyway. I'm just going to the church because, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm, I, the Bible said you to not forsake to stem of yourself together. So that's, I ain't got no other church to go to because it's too far away. So I decided to come to this church because my mom and them used to come here. You know, but what about moving as one what about the unity what about spiritual harmony what about the love that's supposed to knitly fitly rightly join all of us together that the body of christ may edify itself in love what about the preacher speaking the word of god in love without compromise one message for the whole house you know don't decide with them because they say they write a big check you can check the record and all that don't be impressed by that you know Verse thirteen, he says, "Is Christ divided?" Paul asked this question to the church. Is Christ divided? Huh. I know Apollos and all these other men; they might be divided with their their insights, but is Christ divided? You know, uh, was Paul crucified for you? You know, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? You know, Paul is posing some probing, thought provoking questions to them. Yeah. Uh, ought to be a preaching strategy, man, that we that we adapt to. It'll help a lot of people to think about what they're doing. Paul writes in and in specific, uh, specifically horns in on an additional problem in the church at Corinth that is causing some more problems on top of the problems they had, such as got clicks in the church. I know a lot of you can identify with that. Little clicks, okay? Choir got their little click. The usher boy got their little click. The deacons got their little click, you know all in the church those with divided loyalties that's what cliques are people in the church who have divided loyalties you know Lord more loyal to each other or to their favorite minister than they are to the leader you know over the flock you know cliques that elevates men and not the gospel not not the preaching and teaching of the gospel puts them on a pedestal as their savior and end up giving them all credit for saving them y'all have heard it before you know, it wasn't for my first lady, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got saved. You know, my bishop saved my life. Mm-hmm. For example, if it has not been for the for my for my first lady or my bishop, I would not be saved today. I thank my God that they saved my life when they did. You know, so Paul was on uh, on to these problems. You know, and he wanted the church to be onto these problems, to discern these problems. And he was not afraid to address them, and we can't be afraid and provide solutions. A lot of times people dogmatically, condescendingly address problems and call people out and air their frustrations, but they never provide solutions. You know, they never provide solutions, uh, not as a salesman, but as an ambassador for Christ. Don't try to sell your philosophy or your ideas, but preach the gospel. It's very explicit and conclusive on what to do uh, to solve problems and disputes in the church, you know. But if you're not operating as an ambassador of Christ, you're going to try to sell your thoughts and your idea, your opinion, okay? A preacher and a teacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's where we work from. That's the platform. And so I should always use as any tool to correct a problem, address a problem, the word of God. Pastor Sharon told us in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, you know, fifteen. She read fourteen. You know. Things all not to be, you know. Paul said, Hey, that word of God is good for your doctrine. It's good for your reproof, your correction, your instruction and in righteousness. That the men and women of God may be third and friends prepared to every good work. See, if you just preach that 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 sound preaching, that sound doctrine and love without compromise, it'll reveal the wisdom of God. And 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 and, and that's what caused people to fear. When <clears throat> they hear God said that right here in his word, it's what the scripture said. And Paul knew that he wanted to bring them back to that. Paul preached the cross of, of Jesus Christ and his finished work on that cross. Verse 14, Paul said, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Cephas and Gaius. He told them, I, because only two people and maybe a few others, the house of Stephanas. Stephan, you know. But other than that, Paul said, because that was not my mission. That was not my call. I wasn't called to come and baptize. I was called to come and preach the gospel. You know, not to baptize folks, you know, even though I'm going to baptize folks, but that was not what I was called to do. It's part of the process, you know, because you want them to be able to identify with, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by going in that watery, wet grave, coming up and walking in the newness of life. Paul wants them to fully understand that this kind of behavior in God's church make them a person or men and women followers uh worshippers of not God, but of their own ideas, their own uh, understanding, and of men primarily. Uh, this ought not to be found in God's church, okay? Jesus Christ already cleansed his father's house. We know that, and he wants us us ambassadors for Christ to keep it clean. It's up to us now. Verse 15, he says, Least any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. Paul, so you ain't gonna lay that lie on me. Mm. Now, I've had people that come from other churches in certain events we've had and come up and ask for prayer. And I ask them, do they have a pastor? And they'll tell me who their pastor, who their bishop is. But I always notice that the majority of them will always say, uh, my bishop or my pastor baptized me when I was. You know, and I'm saying, okay, but, but are you saved? Because I'm, when I'm praying for them, I want the prayer to get answered. I want it to work in their life. And so it's, it's, it's upon me as a pastor to find out if they're saved. and who is their pastor because I don't want to be nobody thinking I'm trying to pluck off their sheep or divide them against their pastor so I'll just tell somebody to get me a Bible and I'll open the Bible and let them read that this right here is what makes you saved so let's do this first and then I'm going to pray for you because I want to give every chance for that prayer to be answered you know and and I'll let them know you know baptism ain't just it's, 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 it's work that happens after you get saved so you can identify, and I show them in the scripture. So Paul is writing, you know, amen. Paul is writing in a manner as not to appear to be seeking any personal followers or to get paid after all of this uh, is a wealthy city and church anyway. And a lot of the wealthy folks is in this church, along with a lot of those other converts who came from all these different backgrounds. Uh, verse 16, he goes on to say, I baptized also the household of Stephan- Stephan- Stephanus." <coughs> Besides, I know not whether I baptized any others because it wasn't Paul's focus. You know, don't go around tooting your horn about how many candidates you got for baptism. That shouldn't be your focus, preachers. If you ain't preached and taught the gospel to them so they'll be saved. Paul knows that there is only one answer that can solve the sins in the church is problems. And he knows baptism ain't it. So he addresses it in his letter to them and to us as well. Let's look at the next verse, verse 17. It says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words. At least the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Look at Paul. Paul set the record straight because they blaming Paul. Paul, you baptizing for we know you did because that was my cousin you baptized. Yeah, I may have. But Paul said, I bet you I preached salvation to him before because I didn't come just to baptize. The answer is the cross. Yes. So simple and to the point. Cross, we don't preach and teach that much in the church these days. You know, it's not as popular as prosperity gospel. And, you know, it makes us feel, don't make us feel good. Like, you know, the the preaching, the stomping, the jumping, the the, the entertainment and all that, that tradition of men's gospel that teaches candidates for baptism, you know, is more important than preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, the message, you know, of the cross. Paul is writing to remind them that in the church, the cross is the primary message of the preacher, or it should be. The cross can be emptied of its power by ignoring it in our messages, you know. But instead, focusing upon the eloquence of human speculation about all kinds of winds of doctrine and that cause church folks to live like a ship on an ocean tossed to and fro here and there all over the place and never stable uh, without a good, a firm, or a sure foundation because it's just not being offered. You know, prosperity gospel has taken over the church of God. And let's face it, you know it's true. Verse 18, he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You start talking about cloths and blood. People don't want to hear that. They be like, "Ooh, blood, you know, because they never heard it before. So it catches a lot of them off God. I ain't come to church to hear about no blood. I ain't come to church to hear about nobody being nailed on no cross. I got bills to pay. I'm trying to, get, I'm trying to get me a blessing. I need a word that's going to get me a blessing. And Paul addresses this. Paul writes in his letter a powerful message about the role of the cross, its its significance in God's plan of salvation for whosoever will. Let them come because of the blood of Jesus and the finished work he did on the cross and paid it all in full for us. Paul wanted the church in Corinth and the whole body of Christ everywhere, even today, that the cross is still the power of God. Okay? Yes, he writes that it is foolish to the perishing, but power to the saved. Because you've been in your scripture. got saved by your scripture. Verse 19, he says, for it is written. I love this, man. Every time I see this in scripture. For it is written. To the church now, he writes to the church preachers. Hear this: For it is written, we need to be about what is written. Just like this preacher, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Those who think they know everything can't learn nothing else. Paul writes that the cross destroys the wisdom of men and makes foolish the wisdom of the world. Powerful. Verse twenty: Where is the wise? All <laughs> this calling this church out, bro. Where is the wise? Where is you know, right. where is the scribes the one who's supposed to be uh, writing down the scripture for you, you know, recording the scripture for you where is the disputer of this world you know? we're in this world but we're not of this world so we're supposed to dispute anything that sounds like the world you know, that points us toward any wisdom of men in the world it's foolishness God said it's foolishness but I'll use it to confine the wise be in this world but don't be of this world you know? don't be of the doctrines of this world we have the doctrines of God. Paul is saying, where, where, where are those disputers at? Where are those, you know, that lift up the standards of God? You know, that dispute the teachings of man out here in this world, the wisdom of the world. Have not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? This is Paul, that's in his church a question. Have not God did it? Church of God. I didn't do it. God did it. He set those down. Verse twenty-one. He says, "But after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe." So Paul continues to write to them that the cross is the wisdom and power of God to save those who believe. Stumbling block for everybody else. Verse twenty-two. He says, "For the Jews require sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom." Paul is on to something very powerful in his letter to this church in Corinth. He writes that the cross answers all of man's search for God. It's not in the God, that G, of this world, which has blinded so many in our churches. And Paul knew it, you know, that we need this teaching today, just like they needed it then. The Jews saw the sign in order to believe, but it caused many to stumble all over the cross You know, never being able to grasp the role or the significance or the importance it was to them in salvation and forgiveness of their sin and the cleansing of all their unrighteousness. They just couldn't make the connection. They needed that sign. So they stumbled all over this doctrine and the teaching, as many do today, you know, when it's mentioned. It is, you know, it is it is it is too busy, you know, when it's mentioned today it interferes with the busy, aggressive begging that goes on in substitute for preaching and teaching about the cross, you know, for that filthy lucre has just kind of like took over everything. People are more concerned about that than how the cross plays a role in their salvation. Paul was letting them know with the message of the cross that he was an ambassador for Christ and not a salesman. He we wasn't trying to sell no mess, raise no money. Verse 23, he said, But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greek foolishness. Look at that. Paul lets them know that the Jews seek a sign and then they stumble all over the sign that is given in spiritual ignorance. We saw this when Jesus came. Which one of my works? You know, ain't you been looking for a Messiah? Haven't it been prophesied unto you? A child was going to be born, a son was going to be given? you should know this you've been you've been told this you've been foretold this they stumble it all over out of spiritual ignorance same like some people do today because they don't understand what's written because nobody's teaching what's written the greek on the other hand seek wisdom as we read back in verse 22 okay and now paul writes it again because they say that the cross is foolishness you know that's what they say according to the word verse 24, but unto them which are called, notice what he said now, called, not just come and show, but called, both Jews and Greeks, so there's some being called, uh, you know, remember when Jesus was, was, was going through the city man, teaching in the synagogues and healing folks, there were some Jews and Greeks that came and said he is really a good man, I like his message, you know, he, I, you know I'm no longer blind, I'm no longer lame, I'm healed, I'm saved now, that's all I know. So there were some of both called out of, the, out of those to be separated, to come out from among them. And they did. They testified. Still, there was those who still rebelled and rejected. And so Paul understands this audience that he's writing to, which are able and will continue to be able to find Jesus Christ in their time of need, their time of struggle, and the help that they look for. Jesus, Jesus will provide it if we preach and teach it. He is Jehovah Jireh. It is they that will be able to discover that the cross is the power of God. And at the same time, it is the wisdom of God. Verse 25, he says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. I love this man. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Man, Paul, I'm telling you, Paul boy is dressing them up real good. Paul is trying desperately in his letter to the Corinthian church of God to see themselves at the same time, be able to see God's simple, humble, You've got to be humble to do that just as important to him and more so than to the noble, the wealthy, the rich, and the famous. Remember how hard it is for a rich person to get through, get you know, to get to heaven. Harder than for a camel to go through an eye of a an needle, and I explained that to you yesterday, the analogy there, you know. For the cross proves that God's way is wiser and stronger than man's way. Mm. Straight to the point. Verse 26, he says, For ye see your calling, brethren, that how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. God to called me and you before he calls some of them. And he's done it. See, we got to look at things God's way. You know, all these folks running around him here, man, them self-appointed themselves, self-elected themselves, you know, with these degrees, you know. But the word of God is spiritually discerned. You don't need all that to discern the word of God. You just need the Holy Ghost. You just need a relationship with God. You need to know that He saved. You. you need to know that he was the one that gave you sight. He was the one that told you to get up and walk. Paul writes to them in the letter that God does not call many outstanding people into ministry according to Paul's letter, not Pastor Lester. Obviously, this was a problem in the church in Corinth and probably is the case today to find so many self-appointed, self-anointed, self-acclaimed, noble, wealthy, rich, famous, eloquent philosophers, wise, you know, with worldly wisdom and knowledge, uh, from that they, they learn from much life experience. Again, back to Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. According to him, okay, in his letter, God does not call many outstanding people. Not many wise are called, not many powerful, not many noble and wealthy. So who does God call, Pastor? Let's read more of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. Verse 27, he says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confine the wise, it's foolish to think that a used to be alcoholic man will be pastor in the church, or ex drug addict for twenty five years will be ministering the gospel. That's foolish to them. That's mm-hmm. foolish to the world. You tell people, man, I know where God bought me from. They don't want to hear. It. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, well, I know what you were. Yeah, you know what I was, but you, you know who I am now? Come on. You know, you know. And Paul picked up on this. He said, God has chosen the weak things of this world to confine the things that are mighty. All these people who think they have arrived think because they got the education they're going to be used more by God than you because of that reason. I think Pastor Sharon kind of touched on some of that yesterday. You know? And he says, according to Paul here, God calls simple and humble people. I personally believe and know this is what happened and to me and my wife, and to, to some of our ministers and pastors on this line, it had to be because I had nothing to offer God but my wretched, but me as a wretched sinner that I was bound for eternity into hell because of my sin, my crimson stain, you know. And he goes on to say here, Paul does the foolish to shame the wise. Mm. That's why God uses it. You don't want man to figure out that he got it all figured out. Who God gonna use? disqualify people. You don't make enough money. You don't drive the right car. You don't dress well. Again, in my foolish preaching and teaching, I have felt at times God was using me to call out some of those more prominent, more noble than I ever was or will ever be. Definitely more wealthy because I would not know what to do with a $60 million Learjet, OK, when I can just come on Zoom with my foolish preaching and teaching and be heard around the world and people never see what I look like, you know, that virtual world, you know, in a in a matter of minutes. Our message can travel all over the world and reach so many. Not important to them what I dress, what I wear, what I drive, what I fly around in. I'm not technically smart enough to get uh, started without Bishop Quentin, you know, our digital expert. He helps us to be able to reach those people. You know, so why God choose, chose us, Pastor Sharon, myself, Pastor Eric, Pastor Phoebe, uh, you know, our ministers, Bigger, Minister Smith, you know, us little weak folks to shame the strong with the, with the foolishness of preaching and teaching the gospel because it reveals the wisdom of God. And if it frees us, we believe wholeheartedly it'll free other people. You don't have to have a title to do that. You have asked me. You have to, you know, I am still trying to get answers. You know, I am every day. We are. still learning still growing still searching still studying you know we don't know it all but he who has begun a good work in us we do know this you know we do know today that he will continue to perform it until he you know he comes back uh to earth to get his bride without spotting without wrinkle amen that's good enough for us right there we're convinced with that right there now this we know by the scriptures you know we know it by the scriptures in the word of god you know, the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6, King James Bible, we know it because we got it on t-shirts, we had a conference about it, you know, he who has begun that good work, you know, now y'all have my permission to inquire God, what was he thinking about when he called us, even when he called you into ministry, you know, I had no desire to do what we're doing, Pastor Sherry and I, we didn't have no desire to do this, but when we had that encounter, You know, we didn't know it was going to lead to teaching and preaching sound doctrine that would reveal the wisdom of God, you know, nor save anybody, nor to baptize anybody. We didn't know anything about that, you know. But preaching the gospel has been very appealing to us. We've been called to be ambassadors for Christ, not salesmen and women of the gospel, not raconteers, not merchandisers of the gospel. Verse 28, Paul goes on to say, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are. You know, don't thank God going to use the kind of people. If anything, they're the ones behind most of the scandals. You know, stuff going on in the church that should not be going on. And I addressed some of it yesterday. Don't pull me into that. That's not the angle we're working from. We're preaching and teaching what's written. in hope that we'll get the results that's promised. All this other creative stuff and stuff that people are doing and all of this right here—it ain't changing the problems that we have in the country. If anything, it's messing up the church. Scandal after scandal after scandal, investigation after investigation. The bigger the church, the bigger the problems. Cause it's a place for sinners to hide. The believers are not becoming bigger believers that they can change the world. They believe that they can buy their bishop another jet. They think that's pleasing God. They think they say by doing that, writing big checks, you know, so Paul is writing to these rich, wealthy, and noble church folks who think that they got it all together because they are wealthy, many are rich, and many are noble, you know, but many are also lowly and despised in their churches, but notice how God overlooks the wealthy, rich and noble, and fixes his eyes on the lowly and despised. With a call and intent and a purpose. Because everything he made, he will use. You know, they call them the nothings in the church crowd of folks. You know, to nullify those who feel that they are nothing or they are something. So important to the ministry that it cannot survive or function without their money and support. There are some folks who believe that. They believe that, you know, that the church can't survive without them. That's why they give them a certain reserved seat that they don't ever come and sit in until Christmas or Easter, as they say. Verse 29, Paul says that no flesh shall glory in his presence. That's what it's all about. No flesh. Paul is warning them. Paul brings it home to them. He makes no mistake here in how and who he addresses in his letter. Check Paul out. He writes that God has no purpose, okay, and that purpose is to eliminate man's boasting in the ministry about himself in the church about anyone or anything besides him, you know, he wants to be a big deal, okay, the one we make our boast about, Paul is talking about Christ here, not you, not me, not them, he got it, and he is encouraging the church to get it before it is too late, make a boast in the Lord, all ye land, see, King David here uh, has been on a run, and he has fallen to a low place in his life, fleeing from Saul, Amen. who wants to kill David because of jealousy and because of David's anointing. And, and, and David, along with a few of his warriors, they're tired. They've been in the cave. They've been hungry. They end up in the church, man. And listen at what David wrote from that experience. He had become so low, so drained, so, so uh, afraid of Saul trying to kill him. Got to remember now. David remember his history. He remembered when he was a 17-year-old freckle-faced sheep boy, you know, and how he was being treated, okay? He was anointed king, but he remembered how he was treated. They remembered who he was, you know, but he had enough men following him that also believed who he had become by God, how God was using him. David had slain thousands he had won many many battles but listen at this right here as we move to close i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul shall make her boast in the lord the humble shall hear thereof and be glad oh magnify the lord with me and let us exalt his name together i sought the lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears they looked unto him and were enlightened and their faces were not ashamed this poor man cried David talking about himself now. He knew who he was without Christ. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Didn't talk about how much money and wealth he had. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for... There is no want to them that fear him. That's in the book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse 1 through 9 in the King James Bible. Verse 30, he says, but of him are ye in Christ. This is Paul writing here. Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption? The bottom line is this. It's stressed Paul stressed to the church in Corinth. Paul's letter is that God's real wisdom is in Jesus Christ. Paul wanted them to know God and wanted a church to know him just like he does today, that he is our wisdom, he is our righteousness, he is our holiness, he is our redemption, he is our redeemer and our Lord and Savior. Verse 31, that... According to as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, not in man, not in your bishop, not in your prophet, not in your whoever, your first lady, elect lady. As we saw with King David, one of the greater reasons for Paul writing his letter to the church in Corinth and the body of Christ today was to for us to remain and to stir up men and women, boys and girls, all of creation to praise God, especially in the church. For the scripture says this in the book of Psalms, chapter 150, verse 1 through 6, the King James Bible Praise ye the Lord, praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmaments of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the sultry and harp. Praise him with the timbre and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And in my conclusion, another problem we have created for ourselves is natural man trying to become spiritual man without God's spirit? The question then should be, not to be: how does a natural man become a spiritual man? He cannot do it without God's divine wisdom. And so that's why the preaching is so important. So I'm going to end right there. Father, we thank you for this word. We praise you for it. We thank you, Lord, for the extended time we took to try to get it finished and get it to your people and so we give you all the praise and glory and honor Lord God that they understand how urgent and how important it is. Now Father let them have access to it that they may pass it on and share it because we believe that it's relevant to the days and the times that we live in and the days and times that are ahead of us that need to be redeemed because they're Mm -hmm. so evil they're so uncertain, they're so unknown to us but we have your word Mm -hmm. that makes all things available to us, visible to us If we would just look in the perfect Lord living to continue therein, It's my prayer and my hope today God. Let it go out, let it Fall on good yes. ground. They did not return to you for it until it do what you please to communicate the things God that you purposed is our prayer. We give you praise going on and now thank you for the patience of those who are listening with us today. You, and God, Jesus. we just give you praise. and We seal it with amen, amen, and amen, amen, and amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right then. Well, I finished.